0: Welcome to the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Quinn, and I am a mom on a mission to help you launch, grow, and scale a profitable freelance business from home. Join me each week for tangible business advice, along with inspiring interviews, all designed to help you mom strong, work smart, and live free. If you are loving this podcast, finding yourself motivated or inspired, learning something new, or just a fan of the show, Do me a favor and help me spread the message. Screenshot the episode, add it to your Insta stories, and tag me at Michaela.Quinn. Every share helps me reach more and more moms, and I may just share your share and feature you in my Insta stories too, because together we can take over the world. All right, mama, it's time. Grab your coffee, water, or wine, because we are starting. Hey guys, happy Monday. Welcome back. And I'm so excited you're here because today we are going to hear how Lindsay White, overwhelmed to overbooked student, reached six figures as a freelancer and what you can do to get similar results. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here today, and thank you so much for being willing to come on and talk to us about you know where you started, why you started, and The steps that you took to reach that epic milestone of six figures while only working twenty hours a week. I just feel like six figures. So many people think like when you think of a six-figure salary person, at least before I started this, in my mind it would be like some corporate man in a suit, always on his phone, always working eighty-hour weeks, never sees his family. And that's not
1: what your six-figure life looks like. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be where I'm at in my business and. It's a great milestone I've reached. Yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations. But let's take it back to the beginning. Lindsay joined
0: Overwhelmed to Overbooked back in January of 2019. So almost two years ago. Take us back to when you started your business. What motivated you to... Why did you start freelancing?
1: Yeah, definitely. So... When I first started, I was working in corporate America and I was climbing the ladder in terms of my title. I was climbing the ladder in terms of my responsibilities, but I wasn't climbing the ladder in terms of my salary. Mm. And it was really frustrating. And I was working so much. My husband and I were working at the same firm and we were both working so much. We were traveling. We wanted to start a family and it just wasn't feasible to keep both working the way we were working and start a family. And you know i wasn't happy anymore i just wasn't happy and so he was super supportive of me and you know we we started talking about it maybe a year before i started the course and i started taking on a little bit of freelance work outside of my job and just dipping my toe in the water for me it was a lot of mental it was a lot of mental hurdles to get over just like can i do this am i qualified to do this is this something i want to do is this something i can have success in and so those were a lot of questions I was trying to get answered during those first you know months that I was just dipping my toe in the water. Yeah, when you were dipping your toe, were you in o t o yet or were you just no. like, trying on your? I, I was trying on my own, so I had found upwork and I mm-hmm. started kind of trying to find jobs on upwork, and you know they really weren't that lucrative, mm-hmm. and so that's where the whole mental side came as I was like. I'm finding these jobs on here. It's a lot of work to get the jobs on here. There's a ton of people in the Philippines who are also bidding on these jobs who you know can afford to make a lot less money than I can make. I don't know if this is feasible. So I was just doing everything I could researching, trying to find OTO. Essentially, I was trying to find something to show me the path on how I could make this a lucrative option for me. So we started saving our money. We started putting aside my salary and just seeing what life was like without my salary. So then I would think around Thanksgiving time in 2018, I found OTO and started kind of following you and following the free Facebook group and just learning, taking everything in. And around the end of December was when I was like, okay, I'm ready to make the jump. And we had saved the money. And you know, I was at the spot where I was like, if I'm gonna make this work, I see other women are doing it, I can do it. And so that's when I really, I I went into my job and I gave them a good notice. I gave them like six weeks notice and I finished up all of my work there while really just getting my business up. So I spent those last six weeks of my corporate job going through the whole course and really just hitting the ground running. I got my email address. I got my Facebook page. I got a very bare bones website up. I got a portfolio put together. I got an Instagram account and I just made sure that I was there and I had a presence. And then I left my job and I, I hit the ground running. So I had great success when I, when I first hit the ground. And I think that's what gave me the motivation to keep going, which was great. I landed Harvard Business School as a client. So that was a huge, like pat on the back. I wouldn't say they were paying me a ton of money, but it was like the clout that I needed. It was the like, hey, you can do it. You're working with Harvard. Um,
0: I would <laughs> pause and take a moment of silence for that epic win. Yeah, it was awesome. A of silence. <laughs> that is awesome. What a cool client to win. And yes, that is so much clout. Like some of the times there's those trade-offs you have to do of like, do I take on this client? Maybe it's not, you know, exactly the amount of money that I would want, but is there something else that I'm getting out of this relationship that makes up for the, you know, maybe it's A lower package price and that confidence boost and that clout to be able to say to other future clients, Harvard Business School is is one of my clients. So if you want some of the Harvard magic,
1: (laughs) come to me. me. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, I mean it was a huge. It was just huge for me, and it was one of those. It blew my head up. You know, I was like, I can do this. Like, I landed Harvard Business School as a client. I am a state school grad. I am not an Ivy School grad, and I did it. So. (laughs) like we need another moment of science for that silence. That is even
0: bigger. I'm a state school grad too. And yeah. Wow. They came to you, Lindsey White, a state school grad for yep. their,
1: their marketing, for their marketing yep. instead yep. of one of their marketing grads. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was really, really cool for me. I would say I put together a package for them and it was lower than, you know, what I charge now, obviously, but it was one of my first clients. I didn't really know what I was doing and I did it and I had really great success. It wasn't a retainer. It was a a package, but you know, it was so great to start working on that foot. And, you know, prior to that, I was having some success with really small clients, but this was what made me just move forward and say, oh my gosh, I can do this.
0: Yeah. So I have so many questions for you. I want to come back to this Harvard client, but first I would love, what did you do in your corporate job before you quit?
1: Yeah. So in my corporate job, I worked in financial services and I did corporate marketing for a fortune 500 broker dealer financial services firm. And then I did relationship management for them and sales for them as well. So I kind of climbed the ladder a little bit over there and did a lot of everything, I also kind of helped spearhead a magazine over there and I was the editor for that. So that was pretty big in helping me learn just some different things and some different areas that were outside of the corporate marketing. You know, It's very corporate. It's very, this is what you're doing. So I learned a lot through my tenure over there. I was there for about seven years and Mm -hmm. I learned a lot. It was a great firm to be with. It just wasn't for me anymore.
0: Yeah. So why did you think starting your business that you didn't have any skills or like you, you couldn't do this?
1: I don't know. I think a lot of it is just the mental side. And I think a lot of women struggle with this is where it's, oh, you yeah. know, it's tough. You don't know what you don't know. And without having, and I think this is where OTL help, helped me a lot is when you don't have a path or something or someone that's telling you what you need to do, it's really all on your own. And it's hard to overcome that fear and thinking, hey, I can do this and I'm good enough. I am good enough for someone to pay me a high dollar amount to do something for them.
0: Yeah. Or any dollar amount even too. Yeah. And you are so right. And I, I wanted to ask that question because so many people come to me, DM me, email me saying, I don't have any skills to offer. Like no one would hire me. And I just want to point out that everyone thinks that everyone thinks that no matter what their experience really, truly is. We all have those blinders when it comes to our own strengths and our own, what we're good at. Cause we, we're just in like our own little zone and we're like, oh, I do this. Like everyone must be able to do this. Like there's nothing special about me and no matter what it is that you do.
1: Right. I think that I spent the first, so I joined OTO in January of 2019 Mm -hmm. and I landed Harvard and I did a great project for them. I worked with them for about two months on their project and it was great. had great reviews, had great testimonials from them. And it still afterwards was this mental block of what skills do I have? And I spent a couple of months after working with them, trying to find clients that fit this mold that I had put myself in. And I just was in this box where I could only offer email marketing. That's all I could do. I could only do newsletter marketing. The truth is I can do so much more than that. And I have so many more skills, but I had put myself in this box where I was like, I have only done newsletter marketing for a freelance job before, and I can't do anything else. So who's going to hire me? And so it was a huge mental hurdle to kind of get through that. And it took Talking to a lot of potential clients. It took me putting myself out there in uncomfortable spots a lot. Then, you know, I landed my first retainer client. And I think that's when doors opened up for me. And I realized I do have a lot of skills. I have so much to offer. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm the kind of person where if I don't know how to do something, I'm not scared to learn how to do it and jump in. And I think that that's how a lot of women are. And just knowing that about yourself means you have so many skills. You have unlimited skills because you know you can learn how to do something if you need to.
0: Hey there, real quick interruption from me, Michaela Quinn. Anyways, I wanted to make sure that you knew that we just added a 12-month payment plan to our program, The Live Free Academy. You can enroll and get started today for just $147. If you go to go.mikaylaquinn.com or just head to the show notes on this episode, we've got it linked there as well. You can read all the details and click one of the buttons to go enroll. And on there, you'll see the 12-month payment plan option. When you choose the 12-month payment plan option, you get the entire course the second you enroll. We don't hold anything back because you're on a payment plan. You'll get access to the how to build your business from start to finish course, skills training the job leads board, the coaching calls, the student community, Facebook group, and everything else that is a part of the live free academy program so that you can get started freelancing and land your first client in 30 days, 60 days, however long it takes you to go through the course and then start implementing. Again, you can see all the details at go.mikailaquin.com forward slash academy, or head to the show notes and click the link there. All right, back to the show. And that is like in the workshop, I the free workshop, which if you guys haven't signed up for that yet, make sure you go grab that. It's michaelaquim.com forward slash workshop. It'll help you kind of think through previous jobs, what your skills are. And I talk about hard skills versus soft skills. Like hard skills are those tangible things that you know how to do. Write an email, marketing newsletter. Then there's soft skills that are like your personality traits and who you naturally are that allow you to excel at the hard skills those soft skills like who you are your personality your work ethic cannot be learned but those hard skills how to write an email marketing letter can be learned. so if you're someone like me I had no hard skills of freelancing or business when I got started so I ran with and really honed in on on my soft skills of like I can learn problem solving I'm creative so if you're listening and you're like well Lindsay can do this because she has that hard skill background of marketing. Well, yeah, but she, she didn't just start out with that knowledge. She learned it over time. And it is definitely something. If you have that same soft skill of being a Googler, being a figure out or being a problem solver, you can do this too.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And going back to my corporate career in marketing, I mean, I worked in a marketing agency, so I was an account manager. I was the people person and I tasked stuff out to designers. I tasked stuff out to writers. And so that was another hurdle when I kind of came to freelancing. Who are the people I'm going to test things out to? I, I don't know how to do it. I just know like, this is the project that needs to be done. All these things need to get done. And then I was like, oh wait, I'm the person. <laughs> so with email marketing, you know, I knew how to manage the newsletter. And so that's kind of why I jumped in because I was like, I know how to do the copy for an email newsletter. I can do that. I've watched other people do it all the time. I can do the design for an email marketing newsletter. I've watched other people do it all the time and I've just managed the tasks. So I started small and I started with something I was comfortable with. And I learned the hard skills that I needed to know in order to kind of move forward with it. And I mean, that's such a good point with the soft skills. You, Everyone has great soft skills and figuring out how to utilize them is so important. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And if you're listening to this podcast, you have those soft skills.
1: If you need help finding them, go through the workshop, go through
0: the steps I give you there. And then if you get stuck, email me or post in the free Facebook group, MichaelaQuinn.com forward slash community to get some help from from other women who have uncovered their skill set. Okay, awesome. So was there anything else like you had to do, like any inner work that you had to do to work on overcoming those mental hurdles? Do they still come up for you and kind of like, how do you keep going despite... So, um, yes.
1: I mean, to be honest, it's a lot of community and it's a lot of talking to people. So finding business friends that don't even have to be in the same industry as you, but finding someone who's kind of like your person that you can go back and forth on and pep each other up and just say, Hey, you're awesome. You're doing a great job. Yeah. It's so important. I mean, I didn't have that when I first started and I actually I was kind of in a low place because I was so unhappy with my corporate job. And I, I didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't think I had any skills. I was seeing a therapist and you know she was that person for me. And she kept telling me that I could do it. And having someone telling me that I could do it, who wasn't... you know, My husband was obviously super supportive and telling me I could do it, but he's not the same as an external person in, who doesn't know me as well. So that was really important. And now I have tons of business friends to lean on who help me if I'm having a low point in my day or I have a really high point in my day. Yesterday, I designed ads for someone and I don't design ads. That's not something I do, but my client needed it and I did it. And I was like, Jackie, look what I just did. I need you to tell me they're good because this is all I've got. And she's like, oh my God, they're amazing. You did an awesome job. It's like, perfect. You know, Having someone who's just able to give you that little gratification that you did a really good job is so important because that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me thinking. I still have value to add. I still have things that I can do. I still have things I can learn how to do, and I'm going to keep growing. Absolutely. So
0: you mentioned something about like your husband and the support and earlier on some logistical stuff and logistical steps that you took to set yourself up To build your business and quit your corporate job. It sounded like you started saving and living on just one of your salaries and, and saved away everything. Could you kind of walk us through some more of those logistical steps that you took? Because there's probably a lot of people here in a very similar spot to you climbing that ladder, responsibility wise and achievement wise, but not seeing the salary side, time so yeah. to match. And that is so frustrating. And so yeah, that's so, one of my favorite things about freelancing is having that control
1: to give yourself absolutely. that raise when you want to. Absolutely. So we really start, I mean, we started talking about it early on. We knew it was something that I wanted to do. We knew that I wanted to do something that was my own because what I was doing wasn't working for me anymore. And so we started thinking through, and we didn't even know if it was freelancing or what it was, but we started saving. So we started taking my salary and we just started socking away in different savings vehicles. So, you know, we put some of it in my 401k. I started maxing out my 401k at my corporate job. So that was growing and at a really good pace before I left and wasn't able to save in my 401k anymore. So I started putting away a lot of money in there. I started taking a lot of my other salary money and putting it in our HSA account and maxing out the HSA account so that we had all of our healthcare kind of... We had a chunk of money for any healthcare expenses that would come up. We started putting away money in our savings account, knowing that I was going to be added to his health insurance, which was going to be a larger chunk of money than me being covered by my company that I was working for. And we really just started padding our savings account. You know, Everything that I couldn't siphon into a savings vehicle of some sort, like the 401k HSA... We just started padding that savings account and you know, making sure we had money there. We had a lot of lofty goals at the time. like We wanted to redo our kitchen, which we wouldn't be able to do unless I started making money when I left. So just making sure that I had that money in a spot where if we needed it, we could pull it. And if we didn't need it, it was great. And it was growing appropriately. Like I said, my husband and I were both in finance. And so having you know money that's working for us and in the stock market is super important to us. So we made sure that we were saving in vehicles that were going to be growing some income in there, either creating dividends or just growing in a way that made sense for us and our family.
0: Yeah. So you quit cold turkey. When you quit mm-hmm. your job, had you signed up for Overwhelmed to Overbooked yet?
1: Yeah. So I, when I put my notice in was the same like week that I signed up for OTO. Mm -hmm. So
0: you signed up, no clients yet. You had some small projects from Upwork. Yep. Uh, And that's another common thing I hear from people is like, I want to freelance and all I know about it is like Upwork and Fiverr and there's just no way that's going to be sustainable and be the income I need. That's very, very common. So when you quit and you signed up for Overwhelmed to Overbooked, can you kind of walk us back through? Now we're kind of like back to the the Harvard client. What kind yeah. of steps did you take early on to land your first clients? Like, I'm so curious, how did you land
1: Harvard? So when I first started the OTO course, I started just building out my business, making myself have a presence, figuring out. Here's a headshot for me. Here is what skills I can provide to someone at this moment. Here's what value I can provide to someone at this moment. And Harvard I actually landed through Upwork and it was the last Upwork client that I ever took. And it was like a fluke. It was really I felt like it was the universe or God telling me, "Hey, you can do this. Here, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a bone." Cuz I needed that. I I don't know that I would have had the the mental state to be successful unless I had mini win. I needed a win and I needed something quick because if I didn't, I was just, I don't know, I was going to spiral downward. So I guess here's the path that I went down. I started setting myself up for success when I was leaving my job. I put in six weeks notice. I started getting my business up, getting my website up, getting some service offerings together, really just doing everything that the OTO course told me to do. And then when I left, I was... Still going through the course and figuring out how to get clients. So that's when I started going through Facebook groups and I was networking and I was doing all of that, but I I hadn't seen any success yet. So I was still kind of dabbling in the upwork. And the Harvard client came through on upwork, which was great. From there, I was working with Harvard and I just started seeing success everywhere. And I think a lot of it, I keep going back to as a mentality thing, but I, I do. I think a lot of it was me finally realizing, hey, I can do this. I Can be successful in this. And it was the energy that I was putting out there, and I was getting more aggressive in Facebook groups, and I was getting more aggressive on LinkedIn, and just figuring out where my clients could possibly be and networking a lot. And I just continued to see people come in. I started talking to my network and letting them know hey, this is what I'm doing now. I'm working with Harvard, I can offer these services to you. Do you know of anyone? And I would say to this day, almost all of my clients have been referrals from either someone I've worked with in a freelance capacity or from someone that I have told in the past, hey, I'm a freelancer now and I offer digital marketing services.
0: That's awesome. So the power of just sharing with your current network, you might think... If you're listening to this episode, well, I don't know anyone. Well, it it, it's not necessarily about who you know. Sometimes it's about who you know that Because people talk and people love help, like naturally helping other people and connecting. And if someone comes up and passing, like, oh, I'm struggling with this, the natural thing is, oh, you should talk to Lindsay. She's a friend of mine, or my niece, or my sister, and she just started her digital marketing agency. She works with businesses like Harvard. There's that, that clout of the Harvard. Exactly. To, to help. Exactly. And just talking and sharing and telling anyone and everyone is such you guys listening. We've got a baby, a baby here. So if you hear a little, little cry, she's kind of deciding that she wants to eat or sleep, <laughs> but that's where that is just such a good action step to take in the beginning.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. So I was still at my corporate job. I didn't leave till January 21st of 2019. I was at my husband's Christmas party, you know, a month prior. And I had told his boss's boss or some, someone kind of removed, right. That I was a freelance digital marketer now. And I just owned the persona, even though I was still, I hadn't landed Harvard. I was still figuring it out. And I just owned the persona. I was like, this is what I've got to do now. Like I am a freelance digital marketer. And so I told, you know, this random older man at the party that that's what I do now. And he actually landed me one of my best clients to this day. He recommended me to one of his buddies and I'm on retainer with them now. And they are one of my best clients to this day. And I love working with them. They're my favorite clients to work with. If I wouldn't have owned that persona, I would never be, I would probably never be where I am today. Yeah.
0: And and, and it's intimidating when you're not like, when you're not there yet, but that is so true. You just got to like find some courage, take a deep breath, hold your shoulders high and own, own that persona and tell people. Because yeah. no one's going to hire you unless they know you offer your services. And that is, that is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that story. That is, that is so cool. So... Now kind of walk us through getting started, got your first couple of clients, kind of got that confidence boost. When did your son come into play and how, how did that impact business? And then
1: let's like move to, yeah, let's move through it. So I started the course in December, January, 2019, beginning of 2019. Yeah, I found out I was pregnant in February. So literally like one month in and had my son in November of 2019. So pregnancy was fine. I had a relatively easy pregnancy. So I was kind of chucking along, but I knew that I was going to be taking some sort of maternity leave. And I didn't know what that looked like. And to be honest, I would do it differently a second time, but I was chucking along. I had landed the retainer client that I just mentioned, my best retainer client in April. So that really kept me going and I really focused on them and I focused on growing with them. They kind of had an uncapped space that they wanted to work in and I was learning a lot of what I was capable of with them and they were fine with it. So I was working really hard with them. Had my son in November and I wouldn't say I was I wasn't reaching my income goals, you know, during this whole time, but I was also wanting to set myself up for success when I had the baby. So I knew I was kind of taking a step back and not pushing as far as I could because I wanted to make sure I wasn't overwhelmed when I had the baby. And I'm really glad that I did that. I I ended up having a baby with severe food sensitivities and he was super colicky when he was little and it was really hard to get absolutely anything done. I had one retainer client and I actually didn't take any time off. Mm -hmm. I kept working the whole time. I maybe took a week off. And it was so overwhelming because if I would have done it differently and better, I would have set myself up in a way that I could have taken a couple of months off and had things continue to roll for them. So next baby, I'll do it a lot differently. (laughs) And so your son, he's getting ready to turn one. Yeah, he's getting ready to turn one. Oh my gosh. So, so I would say when he was honestly I I was really coasting. I was coasting. I had two retainer clients at the time, um, coasting through having him and two around five months, really when quarantine hit, when he was around five months old, he was finally kind of grew out of his colicky stage. And I was like, Okay, I'm ready. I'm so ready to like jump in and crush it. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And to be honest, the best decision that I've ever made was to get a babysitter. Best decision I've ever made. And it was quarantine. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, there's no way I could do anything without help. And I was testing the waters with a couple of things. You know, I got a babysitter a couple of days a week. I had my mom come a couple of days a week. We have a gym membership and I had tried dropping him out there and then quarantine hit and we couldn't do anything. And so I finally figured out, okay, I need someone just a little bit of help every single day. Like I need someone four days a week for five hours a day. And these are the hours I'm going to work. And I might do some work in the evening if I need to, but these are the hours I work and I'm not doing meetings outside of those hours anymore. I started really structuring my days. And I was terrified to do that because I thought I would have some backlash from my clients because I was always on. I was always ready to answer an email or do a project and no matter how hard and frustrating it was for me because I was momming at the same time as I was working, I was ready to do it and I think that that was part of my downfall is I wasn't able to grow and progress both mentally and monetarily and with my business in general, because I was just juggling so much and was getting overwhelmed. And once I put more structure to my weeks, I started just growing like crazy. And there was no backlash from my clients. Yeah. I can
0: so relate to being in that place of like, I have big goals. I'm ready to do this, but juggling everything at one time, like for me personally, It was great when I was initially freelancing and only wanted, you know, working 15 hours a week and only wanting, you know, being happy and like being satisfied with $3,000 a month because that was more than I ever made teaching. And I was just like, no, I don't want to grow. But when I like realized the potential and realized what I could do and I, I wanted to do it when I couldn't because I didn't have that structure or like trying to juggle everything when... I would be with my kids and like clients would want something or I needed to do something for work. I was always resentful of like something yeah. and I yes. that was not worth it. That is not what I signed up for. No. Especially when you're not at the financial place yet of like, okay, I can I can afford someone to come four days a week or three day or two, whatever it is. We started with just two days. And that was a big leap for us at the time. Doing that gave me the space, the time to one, get rid of the resentment and have that structure so I could have, okay, this is my work zone, this is my mom zone. And yes, sometimes they do overlap, but now right. that that set the set structures, it's it's just so much better for me personally, too.
1: So much better. I and I feel like I'm a better mom because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am so much better at taking care of him and giving him the mom that he deserves to have because. I have that time for myself and for my business and I'm so focused on it, you know, during the hours of today it's nine 30 to three and tomorrow it'll be eight 30 to one, you know, and during those times I'm super focused on business, but then outside of that, I am so focused on him. And if something urgent comes through, yes, I'm obviously going to help my clients because that's just who I am and it's in my nature, but I'm giving him the time that he deserves with me. And that's what's so important. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: Oh, I just I could talk about this forever because I used I used to think like daycare was the worst and like to be a good mom I had to do everything and yes as I'm juggling two things right now <laughs> <laughs> it's my choice yeah it's just amazing so you gave yourself that time mm-hmm. and hired got some help got some structure what does it look like as far as how many clients you have
1: yeah so I have four clients that mm-hmm. I work with and. Each one of them is actually on a separate process, if you will. So, you know, one of my clients, I am truly a partner of their firm. I am integrated in everything that they do. I am at the high level with the owners of the firm and I am integral to making decisions with them on a, you know, contractor basis. And then... Is that in a marketing
0: capacity, like marketing director?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm essentially serving as a marketing director for them. So they're on a retainer with me, and then they have overage hours that you know we go through. Mm-hmm. And then I have another client who's on a project-based package each month. You know, it's a certain set amount, and they get a set project each month, and it is what it is. And then I have one client who is a larger project each month, and it's set, and it is what it is, and you pay me this price. And then I have a fourth client that. I am on a retainer package with hourly retainer. So Mm -hmm. I kind of am dabbling between package-based and retainer hourly-based. And honestly, it works really well for me because it gives me the capacity to grow. And it gives me space where if I had another opportunity come along, I can structure it in a way that's still going to work with these four clients because I have two hourly based clients and then two project based clients. So it kind of, I don't know, gives me that space where I'm not taking on too much. I'm not taking on not enough, but I have the space to grow and I also have the space to up my prices if and when I need to. Yeah. And you
0: also shared that one of the things you you did was focusing on the value that you bring to Mm -hmm. your clients and being able to articulate, articulate, (laughs) articulate that to them. Can you kind of talk us through like what that means? Maybe what that looks like when you're on a discovery call or sending a proposal?
1: Yeah. So when I'm on a discovery call with someone, I never, ever talk money. Like my first rule is we don't talk money on discovery calls. If they ask me point blank, I will talk to them about it. But besides that, I really try not to talk about money or how I structure things.
0: Do you have an idea of what their
1: budget is going into this cause or how do you yeah. make sure so, you're not getting
0: on call with a pin- penny pincher?
1: Yeah. So I, first of all, on my website, I have packages on there that I actually have never really sold one of the specific packages on my website, but I have packages on there that list out prices. And that's kind of like my first, my first line of defense where, you know, i let people know, check out my website. I have some packages here. All of my clients are on custom packages, but you can get an idea of what I offer and what my prices are. I love that. So that kind of weeds people out right away. Uh, if they're a penny pincher, you know, you can see what you're going to get for a thousand dollars or whatever the case may be. So that weeds people out pretty quickly. And then when I'm on my discovery call, usually people will ask, you know, What a pricing structure looks like. And I'll direct them to my website and then I'll ask them what their budget is. And I'll say, you know, I put together a lot of custom packages. What's your budget? And I can put together a custom package for you and send it over. And so I'll get their budget from them. And usually, a lot of times they don't know. You know, people love to not know what their budget is. And so I'll kind of try to walk them through it and just say, well, you know, think about what you make monthly, what your business makes monthly and figure out what percentage you are comfortable with for your marketing spend. Then, you know, we can figure out what slice of the pie I equate to. So, they usually will ask me what a, a normal marketing spend is, and for most of my clients it's between 5 and 15% of their monthly income. Mm-hmm. So, I let them know that and they can do the calculations on their own, you know, let me know where they're at. So, that's kind of the first thing that I do to just figure out where they're at, what we can work with. And then once I get a number for them, I'll put together a range. So if their monthly budget is $2,500, I'll put together three packages for them that are you know, for $2,000, $2,500, and $3,000. And they can kind of see where they want to fit. You know, Obviously, the more money you're spending, the more services you're going to get. But maybe that's something they want and they didn't know they wanted it, but maybe they don't need all of that. So I just give them different options that, you know, they can figure out what's best for them. Yeah. So do you ever get
0: any pushback from clients? I'm like, oh, that's too expensive or you're out of my budget.
1: I've actually never gotten that. Well, that's a sign you need to raise your prices. (laughs) I know. So, you know, what's funny is you actually said something one time and it stuck with me forever you told me that if you're not, or you told the group, if you're not uncomfortable when you're giving someone your hourly prices, then you're priced too low. Yeah. And I stick by that. And I price pretty aggressively and yeah. no one ever bats an eye and I'm still uncomfortable saying my prices. And I'm finally at a spot where I'm like, I'm not uncomfortable with my prices anymore. So I need to raise them. Yeah. Um, so I'm at a spot where I'm about to raise my prices just because I need to, they're, I'm, they're not making me uncomfortable anymore. And that's, that's the rule that you said. And I am literally living by it because it's made, it's worked so far. Yeah. That's awesome. So where, where do you want to grow? Like, where do you
0: see your business going in the next
1: year or more? Yeah. So it's tough because I'm in this spot where I'm reaching my monetary goals and I'm super excited about it. Like so pumped. And with that, I, I want to keep growing. I want to keep making more money. I mean, I told you I'm in finance. I like making money. It makes me happy. And <laughs> I want to keep making money, but I'm not going to compromise. So I'm not going to work more than you know my 20 hours that I'm working right now. So I'm kind of tossing up a couple of ideas right now. If I want to up my services and offer just the services that I'm offering and just keep upping my prices, or do I want to start implementing something that maybe is a little bit different than what I've been doing and kind of pivot my business a little bit. So, I don't know. I don't know. I'm tossing up a couple of ideas, but offering services at the high level that I'm offering them has been really great for me and I think to grow, I either need to up my prices and keep doing what I'm doing or pivot into something that's less trading my time for money mm-hmm. and in turn offering I don't know that it's a product. I don't know that it's a course. I don't know what it is, but I'm kind of leading towards doing something that's less trading my time for money. Yeah. I
0: mean Digital products or something. I don't want to say passive because nothing really truly is. Right. right. Nothing's passive. Really passive. But right. Passive in the sense that you create it once.
1: Right. Just
0: market and sell that.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm leaning towards, especially because I've been working in digital marketing for so long. Marketing something to me sounds, for myself, sounds so much more fun. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you have ideas on what that would be?
1: So I don't know. I'm super passionate, and especially kind of getting to where I am now, I'm super passionate about helping women know that they have skills, helping them kind of overcome this mindset hurdle. Also super passionate about being able to show your value and know you have value to provide to your clients. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've thought about something like that. I've thought about a content marketing platform. I've thought about a couple of different things. I just don't know where to kind of land. I don't know where to land yet.
0: (laughs) Well, check out the offer cure by from Julie Soyan. Okay. That could be a good, it's like $37.
1: Yeah. Uh, Perfect.
0: Good thing to help you.
1: Yeah. Because that's where I'm at is I'm like, I want to keep growing and I have really lofty goals and I've always had really lofty goals and I am ready to just keep, keep growing and keep climbing this mountain that I'm on.
0: Yeah. Even creating something for like your ideal client, like a digital product for them to help bring them in the door. And that could help you find clients get paid to find clients as you raise, raise your prices. Prices. Yeah. So many, so many options, Lindsay. Thank you so much for coming on for sharing with us and just being awesome. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no, it's so fun. I'm so happy that I got to talk with you this morning.
0: Now, just because the episode is over doesn't mean the knowledge party has to stop. Come hang out with me and thousands of other mamas in my free Facebook group. Just search Facebook for the Live Free Podcast Mastermind with Michaela Quinn or go to the show notes. We have it linked there. And make sure you answer the questions so our gatekeeper knows that you want to end. And don't forget, sharing is caring. If you are loving this podcast, please take a moment to share it with your friends. But make sure you tag me at Michaela.Quinn on Instagram and at Michaela Quinn on Facebook. See you next week.